This is the Business of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Malcolm LaBelle of the Green Generation Company joining us. You can find out more information at greengencompany.com and follow them on Twitter at GreenGenCo1. Melka, thanks so much for being here once again. How's your week going? Good, Dean. Finally have some beautiful sun. So nice. It feels like summer. Yes, no doubt. It is starting to feel like uh, uh, we can uh, definitely enjoy outdoors again. And, uh, you know, uh, whether you're growing outdoors or indoors, uh, the first topic we're going to get to is... uh, people that are making the transition um, as far as medical growers starting to get through the licensed producer process. Yes. I so happily uh, heard this week that some of the very first company that I really, really started to learn about the outdoor grow and the whole moving from the, you know, the legacy system into the new world was Rosebud Cannabis Farms. I think I talked about them. I did talk about them on the first, a version that we did of this podcast and they got their license with health Canada this week. So huge celebrations uh, for this company. And, and it's, uh, it's not just a micro, it is a standard cultivation, but this really opens the door uh, to more, I would say legacy grow uh, expertise. Um, this company particularly was one of was the first, it was a pilot project. Um, through the community futures of the Central Kootenai region out of BC. Um, and this is a really interesting story uh, that I think needs to be told. And I'm working with this and some of the other people involved with this to grow that story. But basically, um, the community futures of, Co- of the Central Kootenays, they're kind of like the economic development group for the region of Central Kootenays. Like in Calgary, you have the Calgary Economic Development and Edmonton, the same thing. So these are, uh, community futures groups are all across Canada. And it's a joint uh, private-public partnership um, for the local regions to help uh, with local industries. So this group got together, you know, and said, you know, we looking at the people that live and that are the businesses that make up the Central Kootenai region of British Columbia. Um, we know that a lot of them are in the the cannabis growing medical cannabis growing space. A lot of them have ACMPR licenses or MMAR licenses, and they their industry and their businesses have been revolving around or suiting uh, the growth of cannabis for decades, for you know, generations in some cases. So the, the Kootenai region uh, group said, you know, we really need to help support our, the people in this region um, through this legalization process. Uh, if not, then they're just going to leave or go away or, go, you know, who knows what. So from the economic development of the Central Kootenai region, they got an investment from the BC government, which they had to, you know, basically plead for, <laughs> for uh, three quarters of a million dollars to help support the growth of this program, this pilot program. And Rosebud Cannabis Farms was the fir- is the first uh, company uh, to get their license uh, from Health Canada to legally grow cannabis uh, in that model. So this is a huge win for the project, the pilot program, and the Community Futures Group as well as for Rosebud, and proof that, you know, even if you have a background of growing cannabis on the gray or other side, if you do the right way and follow the path with the right expertise, um, you can become legal. 
Well, it's so encouraging um, because we have talked about this and I, and I have talked about this with so many different people about how we incorporate and bring in uh, that legacy market. And uh, so, so many kudos to this pilot project who recognized that, uh, you know, the being open-minded and forward thinking that this was coming. And, um, you know, th- th- there are, there are companies out there that can look towards this and say, Okay, now we have sort of a, a model. We can put our own spin on it, but you know, if we follow the regulations, we can follow suit with these guys. Exactly, and you know, one of the biggest key parts to what they did was that they didn't ask, or well, they tried to get investors, which is what everyone has been trying to do, but they bootstrapped their whole way to this. So they had a very low cost model for setting up their outdoor grow, um, and honestly, if like. You know, I was working with them to help them find investors and was not successful. Um, and one of the biggest problems is they weren't asking for enough money. Right. Um, but in the end, because they figured out a way to bootstrap it and to really use um, very savvy uh, business uh, tactics in order to get what they needed when they needed it and do bartering and trade and, um, you know, convertible debentures, many different instruments instead of just a pile of money to get to where they are today and then they'll grow uh, organically literally and uh, in the investment world uh, to get to their next phases. So I'm so proud of them. And it basically means they're not indebted to anyone. They did it themselves. And um, you know, and I can't even take claim that I <laughs> helped them find what they needed. I just am so proud that they were able to reach their goals and they have an amazing product that I have tried myself and I'm excited for what's to come with them. So it's very exciting. You know, it's so funny. Um, when I was first starting up this podcast, I was uh, meeting with a few different people and uh, just discussing things. And, and one of them had said, um, you know, raising uh, uh, $3 million is harder than raising $50 million because $3 million <laughs> for a lot of people isn't enough. And it, and it is kind of a, such an interesting thing. Now, um, you mentioned uh, the, the micros that are involved on this. Um, you know, a lot of these people yeah. are. Rosebud is, uh, is uh, uh, standard cultivation. But uh, how, do the, how do the micros fit into this? Yeah, so micros is, a, is a, just a better example of how you just don't need a ton of cash to get started. You just need a good framework to work in and a good plan that you can work through either with Health Canada or with um, other experts in the, that you need. So with the micros, I mean, what I learned about them is uh, there's a great story, Tamara Follett, she's out of, out of New Brunswick, um, and her, her, her company is called the Sun, or her farm is called the Sunleaf Microcultivation, uh, um, sunleafmicrocultivation.ca. So Tamara was the first microcultivator to get their license through Health Canada, and she did, this, she did this great webinar and talked about how she did the entire thing, start to finish. It took like nine months and for less than, I think it was less than 20 grand. Um, so she used her own, you know, pension savings and her, her own invest, her own saved money. God forbid anyone has that these days. <laughs> um, and bootstrapped the whole thing and did it herself. Um, and the, the cool part about it is once she got her license, the floodgates of opportunity to sell her product in advance to a bigger bigger LPs was like offer after offer. And I think she ended up going with P- Pasha Brands out of uh, BC, who is also um, working with these micros, a lot of different micros to help bring them under one LP and buying their product. 
So with the micro process, you can either just get a micro cultivation process or a micro uh, processor and sale license. And a micro cultivation means you just have the ability to grow the product. So for anyone that has that legacy experience or has a lot of experience, it doesn't cost a lot to just be a grower for their favorite strain or whatever they really love to produce um, and then sell it to an LP. So that means they don't have to have more licensing and it essentially cuts out a lot of the cost of setting up um, the full end-to-end to the sale to the brand process. So basically the LP will take it to take your product um, and you can, sometimes they can work with you on, you know, if they have a house, you know, they can label it or brand it in the name of your, of your cultivation farm. That's an, or that's an agreement that the LPs would make with each individual micro, or they could just grow sort of a standard cultivar, like a white widow or, you know, some of the major uh, favorites, like, you know, Girl Scout cookies or whatever. So it just depends. But this is a really great model, I think, and one that Health Canada is extremely, um, uh, in favor of they want small cultivators to come up uh through the ranks and 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 essentially do what like tamara fallout and like rosebud cannabis did is not get a bunch of investment and loans and all this stuff they don't need to be big to start but they can grow and always amend their license health canada is very much in favor of start small you know perfect what you do well in this framework and then grow from there. And you can always amend your license to add on more square footage, more processing, sale licenses later. Malcolm LaBelle is the founder of the Green Generation Company. You can find out more information at greengencompany.com. In Changemakers, we like to shine the spotlight on somebody in the cannabis space who is uh, making some change in a good way. Who are we, who are we spotlighting this week? Well, it's on the same theme of change, you know, working the the world from the legacy market into the the legal market. And um, this is the first uh, company that I've seen that has been able to do this on the retail side. Uh, There might be others out there, but this is one that I actually followed. Prior to legalization, they had a medical uh, dispensary in Victoria. So this is the original name of the company was uh, Pharmacy with an F. So F-A-R-M-C-A-C-Y. I think that's right. Anyways, so they were based in, they're based in Victoria. There's three stores in Victoria and they had a very high quality, in my opinion, high quality products for medical use. Um, and they had a very good online ordering system and everything was amazing prior to legalization in 2018. And then what they did was they were able to roll their business into a legal into the legal side they did have to change some things like the name of their company and the name of their corporation became um now it's called the original farm so f-a-r-m so they kind of did a play on the pharmacy with the f now they're the original farm so I, i love that it's great from a branding perspective and their stores look actually very similar they have a very much aesthetic that's like um like an old school apothecary like you've got this dark wood and Everything's behind glasses. It looks almost like a butcher shop kind of inside. It's sort of got that old world feel. Um, and now um, they're fully on the legal side in BC. They've got, I think they still have three locations. And um, yeah, so they had to reorg their corporate structure. But really, the biggest key to this was that they were able to keep their customer base, at least the ones that were in BC, because now you can't order online from them anymore because of you can't do that. You can only order from your... Uh, um, regional um, government body if you're ordering online in Canada. Um, but what they did was they had a fantastic communication program 
And because I subscribed to their original um, store, I followed along every email that they sent out explaining this process and how they were going to be closing down for a bit. They were going to be redigging some things, following the new the new laws that were coming into place. And then they opened up again, and now they're thriving. They've got three stores. I think they're planning to opening more. I'm not exactly sure the details of that yet, but you can still find them online and see exactly what they've got in store. And if you live in BC or in Victoria, you can definitely go to their stores and go online and they have a click and collect program and everything like that. So I have to say that they have done a fantastic job of transitioning from that sort of gray or the legacy space that was medical, moving into the fully legal side, keeping their branding and their communication was massive in that. And and I think they're going to be doing right quite well. Well, and I think it just shows that um, the uh, the cannabis space can be um, populated by uh, the the corporate world or the independent sort of mom and pop uh, in. Um, um, on your own sort of space, whether you're a, a producer or, or a retailer. And it, it also is encouraging that there's that pathway. And, and, and I think it's, I think it's so important for the, you know, those on the other side, when it comes to deciding, uh, about legalization to be open-minded to these people, um, because of the knowledge base and the customer base that they bring prevents people from going to the black market. Exactly. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that, like I said, in terms of the communication was massive, but also in looking at this is like, there's, this is a huge, this is like going to call this a teachable moment because most people that are ordering cannabis, if they're ordering it online, first of all, they don't realize that if they're ordering products online, they assume that it's legal because right. in Canada because it, must, it has to be. What? How could the internet not be legal, right? right, right. That's the sort of the assumptions we have. But um, the truth is that's not the case at all. Like if you're ordering cannabis online and it's being delivered either through Canada Post or delivered to your door, it doesn't really matter. The fact is ordering online is only available to two groups or through two groups, and that is, um, through the government body. So Alberta has the AGLC's website store. You can go online and order directly from them. And in Ontario, their their process is a little bit larger. They have the OCS, the Ontario Cannabis Store. In some cases, they're undercutting the prices of the retailers, which is a whole right. other discussion. But essentially, the government's trying to get a bigger cut. Um, but really, um, that's it. Those are the only, And then if you have a medical uh, license, as in you have a, you're a, um, a medical patient, then how it works is you have to have a doctor that's prescribing cannabis. But what they do is the, the doctor's clinic like sets you up with LP. So only one or two at the most you can set up um, and they'll send your like patient information, essentially your patient record to the LP, um, obviously to then contact you to fill in the rest of the process. So that's a completely different structure. And if you don't have, a medical uh, reason to have cannabis and you haven't seen the doctor that can prescribe it, you would not be able to order through that online channel at all. It's not open to people. So that's why it's really confusing. Like there, and there's no place. It's not like you can go, you go online and, and these online retailers that are in the gray space are saying, yeah, we're illegal or we're not operating legally. They're not telling you that. So it's really confusing for people, but I think it's really much a teachable moment that, um, you need to go into a retailer in, in uh, a store in to get legal uh, recreational adult use cannabis or click and collect 
or through the uh, the regional um, authority that uh, you know that manages that, like the ETLC in Alberta or OCS in Ontario. You betcha. So where are we going with what it means to be green this week? So this is, again, back to my, I feel like I'm on the theme of legacy markets today, but um, it, there is a, very much a point to this. So I I remember uh, from my, again, the days of seeing all these emails coming to my inbox of advertising from these legacy stores, Tom Green. I don't know that there is, Tom Green is actually a Canadian celebrity, I think. Yep. <laughs> uh, he used to be really popular. I don't know where he is these days, but he was sort of this kind of the, one of these, uh, you know, <laughs> I think pot smoking was part of his. Uh, uh, like persona, but anyways, the point is, um, Tom Green is an. It, it's the reason I mentioned what it means to be green this week is because this name was in my inbox. And I'm like, who, what is going on here? Who is the Tom Green? So I look at it, and it reminded me that green, back to the origins of my company, means cannabis to a lot of people, including as a business name. And there's a lot of of these online retailers that still operate in that space. Um, and they like there's the green greens with a Z at the end is one, and they're you know they've had to make the transition to essentially um, oh, essentially I'm going to say a lewd um, discovery and and how they do that is just by buying different domain domain names with different extensions, but their product mix and their online advertising and all of their marketing is phenomenal. Like they're very consistent with their branding, and for a consumer it would be really hard to say, well, how come that isn't legal? Um, and so that's why it's one of those things where there needs to be that education point. And um, so what I've done to help with this is I've created a little online quiz um, called Is It Legal? It's a trivia game. It's available on my website at uh, www.greengencompany.com slash, um, I think it's education. And there's a, you click a link there, it says test your knowledge. And what I've done is I've created a little, um, you know, is a legal question. It's a pictures with questions about products asking the consumer, the end user, do you think this product is legal? And then it goes in and it's sort of like a trivia question and then you'll get your results and um, learn why or why not those things are, are and aren't legal. So I, I, I recommend everyone to go test their knowledge with is it legal at my website and uh, see if they understand the difference. Well, I'm uh, taking the test uh, right now and I've, I've always been, uh, in just in awe of why how these companies keep uh, springing up and are and are never kind of uh, busted. Uh, so it, it is interesting how they stay kind of I guess ahead of the game. Yeah, I mean, there's lots. Of, that's a lot longer of a question, but uh, let's just say that money talks, and uh, when you have customers buying your product, it's hard to not sell it. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right. Well, I've taken the test. I'm uh, excited to see what my uh, results are going to be. And um, a- as we've uh, been talking about, uh, this is a very important aspect of legalization. And, and you know, um, the gray market, uh, black market, whatever it is, probably isn't going to go away. But we can certainly lessen it. And one of those ways is to bring in those legacy markets into the new legalization. Uh, Melka, this has been a really informative conversation once again. People can find more information at green. Green generate greengencompany.com. You can follow you on Twitter at greengenco1 and they can take the quiz. Thanks so much, Malka. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Dean. You as well.